The hardest part is that there are so many moms and dads that are just trying their best and they don't know the metabolic science. They don't know the science of blood sugar. They don't understand it. And so I am just trying to simplify the heck out of it. They just need to know that carbohydrates, whether it's starch, a sugar, a fruit, liquid sugar, it's breaking down the blood sugar, spiking their blood sugar, insulin's being released, their blood sugar is crashing. What's happening, that sugar's being put away in their liver and their muscles. And, you know, unfortunately, if they're getting too much all the time, it's going to be converted to triglycerides or fat in their liver and create this non-alcoholic fatty liver disease. But worse, it's like you think your child has ADHD. You think your child has mood issue. You think your child is uninterested in movement. We know that balancing blood sugar and bringing blood sugar down to a healthier level creates spontaneous movement. Your kids want to run. They want to play. They want to be outside. They don't want to be watching screens. They don't want to be lethargic. Their food choices and what you're offering them are creating this environment and this reality for you. And so let me help you look at a plate and say, all right, I'm offering four carbohydrates and one little bit of protein. How can I balance this out? I'm Ben Grenell, part of the early startup team here at Levels. We're building tech that helps people to understand their metabolic health and this is your front row seat to everything we do. This is a whole new level. As parents, it can be immensely challenging to feed kids. It feels like it's an ongoing struggle. This tension, this debate between what kids want or what they think they want and what we should actually feed them. And there's no better person to talk to about this than Kelly Levesque. So Kelly is many different things. She's a friend of Levels. She's an investor in Levels. She is a nutritionist, a content creator, an author, a podcaster, and the list goes on. Kelly has so much insight as a mother and a parent herself to two young boys. And she recently put out this course called the Fab Four Under Four. And so it is an extension of the different courses that she's created for adults and for a lot of the clients that she works with as a nutritionist. And so Kelly and I had a chance to sit down and talk about some of the challenges around being a parent and making these choices, making these decisions for not only what we should feed kids, but how we should communicate the principles of food to them without feeling like we're being overly prescriptive. How do we steer kids in the right direction so that they have the knowledge, they have the foundation with their little minds as they're growing and being the sponges that they are? How do we give them the tools and the guidance that they can start to make their own decisions as they grow? It was a really interesting conversation and Kelly had such depth of knowledge to share. You can find Kelly on social at Be Well by Kelly and you can check out her website, kellylevesque.com. That's K-E-L-L-Y-L-E-V-E-Q-U-E.com. You'll find all the different courses that she's done, blog posts, links to her podcast, also called Be Well by Kelly. Make sure you check it out, like, subscribe. But those are all good places to connect with Kelly and to learn more about everything that she's been working on. And so here's where we kick things off. The thought behind this topic of nutrition and kids, and I know it's something that is near and dear to your heart, but from a parent's perspective, there's so many challenges to feeding kids, right? It's this dichotomy between making sure kids are fed and not giving them everything they want 
but also trying to steer them in the right direction. And I think from an outsider's perspective, sometimes like, how could you possibly give your kid whatever it is, right? right? And there's a relationship with food, there's making the right choices. And so how do you start to think about like why feeding kids is so hard? You know, it's interesting because as Sebastian, my oldest, grows up and starts having toddler friends and goes to birthday parties and just recently started preschool, I think as they age, it gets harder and harder. So what I've really been thinking about lately, especially in the last couple of weeks with Bash going off to school, is how important the beginning is. So we know from research that there's this flavor window for kids and it's the first 18 months of life. So when you start feeding your child somewhere between four and six months, the American Academy of Pediatrics recommends six months and exclusively breastfeeding if you can until the six month mark. But then you're talking about the introduction of flavors and foods. And so I look back and I was really interested in introducing Bash to those bitter flavors, those sour flavors, the Brussels sprouts, the kale like as many flavors, exposure, exposure, exposure to plants and to little farms in our neighborhood, the farmer's market, taking him to the grocery store. It was the hardest actually during COVID when we were having groceries delivered and we weren't immersed in that. And so we ended up doing was buying seedlings and planting little sweet peppers in the backyard and watering our strawberries. And all of a sudden he was a little green thumb, but I look at that exposure and that foundation. And I know, okay, as a child, he has that foundation. Now we're going to come up against what it feels like is we're coming up against challenges. Like we're coming up against birthday parties that have pizza and donuts and cake. Mm -hmm. And then we're coming up against preschool. And I would say I value education. I, I was lucky enough and my parents sent me to Catholic school growing up and uh, you know, had great friends and they had great food options and it was feel really blessed for that opportunity. And it was important for us with Sebastian to do the same, but it's amazing because we're paying for his education outside of public school, but even sitting down with the teachers and they're like, what are, does he have any health issues or do you have any boundaries for him in regards to his food? And here, by the way, is the menu and the calendar. And you look at the calendar of food snacks at 9 a.m. for a two and a half year old, and it's cheese, it's blueberries and milk. And then the next day, it's crackers, cheese, and juice. And I don't want to be that mom who feels crazy and is bringing him his own snack every single day. But I also have to look at the rest of his day. So what I've been trying to do is control the controllable. So what's controllable in our house is what is he eating for breakfast? How is he going into his day? Like, is he starting his day with protein and veggies? Is he having a smoothie with veggies? Is he having an egg scramble? Okay, great. Now, how am I packing his lunch so that it's blood sugar balancing, so that it's nutrient dense? And how am I serving him dinner? And so these are the things that are happening in our home. And then when I can, I am making swaps. So one of the things that I put in actually in the school nurses forum was that we don't do any liquid sugar in our family. There won't be any juice. There won't be any milk. There won't be any Gatorade. So whole fruit forms are fine. And he's two, almost three, but I've had the conversation with him. Our family doesn't do juice. If you want something that has flavored water, you tell mama and I will, you know, we have an electrolyte drink element that I'm happy to give him. We have, there are hint waters that our water's a little flavor. We've made spa water here at home. But having those boundaries and then being able to say yes, when it's a birthday party and he can enjoy that celebration, 
then I don't feel bad saying yes because I'm not giving him sugar on the regular and I'm not allowing for it. And so when it is this celebration of life, a birthday party, a holiday, I don't want to have the guilt that, wow, we've just been eating a lot of sugar all day, every day. So, I mean, I'm telling you, I was deep in the kids in the nutrition research when it comes to blood sugar balance and how it affects mood, behavior, learning. And I think understanding all the science really gives me the strength to have hard boundaries. But also those boundaries allow me to have the flexibility to really enjoy and celebrate when we want to have sugar, when we want to have dessert, when we want to have a tradition in our family that includes celebratory food. Yeah, it's hard because there are almost these three factors. So there's environmental, it's what you're saying around, you can control what you can control. So it's what you choose to bring in the house and what you choose to expose kids to. Another factor is this outside influence. So that can be friends' birthday parties. It can be media, like we'll call it out-of-home media being cereal boxes, which is a much larger and deeper conversation. Also, media as far as anything that kids might see on devices or... I mean, that's the reality of our society. Kids will come across things and they'll say, I want whatever it is. Friends' houses, grandparents, no matter how you try to position things, outside influence is very strong and that's hard. And then the third factor is this idea of the the broken food system. Where that ties in is a conversation that came up. Actually, it was last week we did a book club with Robert Lustig which I know you just recorded with Robert. So Rob, we did a book club around metabolical. And one of the questions that came up was from Scott Klein, who's one of the engineers on our team. And he just sent his kids back to school. And he said, it's wild. I can't remember exactly what it was, but I think it was like bread. And it was this prescriptive thing where the kids had to have bread. Either it was provided by the school or in their lunchbox. It was something wild like that. And he's like, I don't understand why as a parent, I can't make this decision. Right. That's where it gets really hard is that, and I know Casey's mentioned this before, in the school system, pizza is a vegetable. Like Mm -hmm. that is broken in itself. And so you start to extrapolate all these tiers, environmental, outside influence, and then this idea of the policy or broken food system. And that's where it can get really challenging because no matter how you try to steer kids in the right direction with things like swaps and things like having early conversations while maintaining a lens that you're not trying to create a relationship with food that might be unhealthy. Not totally. You unhealthy don't want things food. to be taboo. Exactly, exactly. As long as kids understand. And kids like kids are little sponges, but their brains are also developing. Yeah. It's, it gets really challenging as a parent where you just want to make sure that kids are fed and fed well, but you can only control what you can. And then you can't get worried about what you can't control because it's the reality of, the world that we live in. Definitely. And I think what I have really focused on is making the associations when, for example, Bash does go to a birthday party and eats a lot of sugar and has a meltdown in the car ride home or gets home and is upset and frustrated. And we'll have the conversation. I'll say, you know, why do you think that you feel frustrated? Why do you think you're really upset? Are you feeling tired? Do you feel like maybe you need a little protein or you need a little rest, like offer up solutions to what I perceive as a major blood sugar spike and crash. And we'll talk it through because what I'm seeing on Instagram and what I'm seeing with even, it's hard for me because even some really respected dietitians that I follow in the kids space are saying, you know, you should offer dessert at the exact same time as dinner 
every single night. So it's not taboo. And I think what we're doing is we're overcorrecting. Like we wouldn't say, well, screen times, kids are addicted to screens. So we're just going to say, you can use the screen whenever you want because we want you to be able to create those boundaries for yourself and not make it taboo. And the reality is there needs to be an adult in the room and we need to have boundaries with things that aren't healthy in our life as adults and for our children. And so when I think about sugar, we do have time in the week that we have it. Bash knows that he gets dessert on the weekends, that that is part of the plan and that sometimes we make popsicles in the Vitamix and they he doesn't know the difference, but there's no added sugar. It's fruit blended fruit and probably some spinach in there and maybe some chia seeds or something, but he loves making them. He loves being involved and he wants that dessert. And then sometimes it's this place betters, which is like a coconut milk ice cream place that does, you know, all that artisanal type stuff. And sometimes it's a cookie at a birthday party and that needs to be okay. But I add it. I mean, I just absolutely disagree with the fact that we should be serving dessert at every meal to make sure that it's not taboo and that there isn't this bad relationship. I think we have the conversation around what is this food? And we can have big, hard conversations with our kids. They know more than we think they do. So saying like, hey, that chicken, you saw the chickens at the Ecology Center farm clucking around and they laid the eggs and that makes your blueberry muffins that we make or your scrambled eggs and that chicken is protein for your body. It makes your body strong. Like I will sometimes say things that are way over his head. Like that protein makes your hormones. And when you're older, you'll get to know what those are. And he'll say words back at me like hormones. No idea what they mean. But I know it's laying the foundation that he'll eventually understand that. And so I'm not saying cookies are bad for him. Sugar is bad for him. What I'm saying is, Desserts are for a celebration. They are fun and they're sweet. And I'll tell him, use vocabulary to explain what it is. And then I'll say, like Curious George and Blippi, we have desserts on the weekend and we celebrate not having to go to work and we celebrate having time together as a family or your birthday or a holiday. Do you want to help me make the cookies this week? Do you want to help me make the popsicles? Get them involved, get them excited about it. Because the reality is, kids, they have an affinity for very sweet things. They like the sweetest lemonade. And and we look at research offering lemonade to children between the ages of toddlers and adolescents and teenagers. The teenagers will start to prefer the less sweet lemonade, but the toddler will always pick the sweetest lemonade. And so we have to be the one pulling back the sugar and making the swaps without making them feel left out or like creating taboo, creating rules. And so I think boundaries are healthy. Delayed gratification is healthy for kids. It allows them to know what it's like to not get everything that they want, allows them to be resilient and to work for things later in life. So I don't, I mean, this may be an unpopular opinion, but I'd much rather protect my child's blood sugar balance. I'd much rather protect their brain and their mood and their energy, especially in the days when he's going to school and learning, because we know in research that retention goes down when blood sugar is higher with kids. Like Mm -hmm. if he's not taking anything home with him after school in his brain, like that's a problem for me. Yeah. The easiest example is understanding metabolic function as an adult. So as soon as a person gets insight about what the feeling, let's just use the example of like the afternoon slump, because many people can relate to it, right? So it's like, I'm trying to type, it's 1.30 p.m. And I just, my 
face is hitting the keyboard. I, like, yeah. I can't keep my eyes open. I have to get more sleep and I need more coffee. Yeah. And then I'm jittery because I had too much coffee. And it's like, I think that's probably an okay heuristic for people to use. Like, if you're trying to be introspective about it, it's actually not a bad hypothesis of like what is happening. But then as soon as you realize what is actually happening and you're like, the reason your face is hitting the keyboard is because you had, not to dunk on Subway, but you had a foot long sub from Subway <laughs> with white bread and all these things, right? And you just had a major glucose spike. And the reason you're jittery isn't because you, and so that made you feel sleepy and that's what's happening in your body. And then the reason you're jittery is not because you need more coffee. What's actually happening is you're now hypoglycemic because you've had such a big dip. You overproduce mm. insulin to try to bring your blood sugar down. As soon as you start to connect the dots with that as a parent and you go, wait a minute, if I'm giving my kids goldfish, a sandwich, a cookie, like all of these things, and that's what they're having for lunch, how could they possibly be learning in school? Because if my head was about mm. to hit the keyboard, what are they doing when math comes on? Like they can't, never mind retain that information. They can't even maintain focus because they're just in such a state of mental fog that what do you do? So I think it, where it's really hard is without having that lens as a parent on, this is what happened to me. Now I have to make sure that this doesn't happen to my child so that I can provide them with the best opportunity to learn in school. What do people expect is going to happen if you pack these lunches that you think are healthy, right? And that's like marketing gone bad is everything saying like, oh, this is the, uh, instead of being well, Mary's crackers, again, not to dunk on them, but just like another example of, well, this is the healthy option for a cracker. I'm going to give my kid 20 of these in his or her lunch. And then you're like, it doesn't matter how, how many seeds are in that cracker. There's brown <laughs> rice, there's syrup, there's like everything that you like, brown rice syrup, there's brown rice flour, there's seeds. And then that is causing the same result and outcome. So there's a lot of education. And that, I think that's where what you're doing, even with things like the Fab Four Under Four and trying to tie in this education and learning from adults and how they can apply that to their kids is such a, it's just hugely beneficial, but it feels like it's Sisyphean in all ways. Thank you. Yeah, I'm really passionate about it. I mean, I feel like my passion for the science of blood sugar has just followed me throughout my life and how my life has changed and grown from my pregnancy course, teaching people how to balance their blood sugar through pregnancy and the outcomes that we see there, lower birth weight, easier delivery, less hypertension, obviously less gestational diabetes. On average, someone who eats highly processed foods who's pregnant gains 20 more pounds than someone who eats primarily a whole food fiber-rich diet. And that goes back to blood sugar. And then we extrapolate that and you just start to see it in your kids. I mean, you hit the nail on the head. Mary's Crackers is a great example. And then even seeing, we go to the Ecology Center, which is this little farm down the street. It's like a fruit stand, veggie stand. They have really awesome traditionally fermented sourdough company that brings in sourdough and things like that. But Sebastian goes down there and he hasn't really had much of a breakfast. And we jump on our bike, have a little kid's seat. We'll ride down the street. We'll go to this little farm. And he'll mow through a pound of grapes before we even leave the farm. I see that same meltdown happen as if we went to a birthday party for a cupcake. You have to look at the whole day. You have to look at what they've eaten prior to kind of like a sugar bomb, if it's happening alone, if it's happening in tandem with protein, fat, and fiber. And so that's the whole goal of the Fab Four is like just to 
bring light to marketing terms. Like, hey, just because it's gluten-free, dairy-free, grain-free, sometimes it doesn't matter. We have to look at the balance and quantity. So that really just teaching parents to look at a lunchbox or a plate and say, where's the protein? Where's the fat? Where's the fiber? Okay, now count the carbohydrates. If there's two slices of bread, 20 crackers, and a bunch of grapes in that lunchbox, I'm going to go ahead and bet you that that's what your kid is probably going to eat majority of the time. The other stuff, the, you know, the protein in there and like the fat and the veggies are probably coming home. And what you've just provided them is this massive glucose spike then is going to create a crash. And what we know, like I said earlier, is we have changes in mood. We have more meltdowns and tantrums. We have less learning, less retention. And then that's not even talking about what we're seeing on a biological level in kids. And if you had Rob Lustig on the podcast, you know, like non-alcoholic fatty liver disease is not just for alcoholics. Like we are seeing it in adults and we are seeing it in the most vulnerable children. And it's because of liquid sugar. It's because of the soda. It's because of the juice. It's because of the Gatorade. Sorry to dunk on Gatorade, but like it is this sugar that is, it's so fast to be metabolized. It causes a major surge in blood sugar. Their little livers are like, oh my gosh, what are we going to do here? We have to metabolize this into triglyceride and store it in our liver. And then you have the marbling of this very important organ that is the detoxifying everything from our body. So yeah, I mean, I'm passionate about it. It's heartbreaking for me. And the hardest part is that there are so many moms and dads that are just trying their best and they don't know the metabolic science. They don't know the science of blood sugar. They don't understand it. And so I am just trying to simplify the heck out of it. And sometimes someone might say, yeah, but that's, what do you mean by that? And explain it further. And I'm like, they just need to know that carbohydrates, whether it's starch, a sugar, a fruit, liquid sugar, it's breaking down the blood sugar, spiking their blood sugar, insulin's being released, their blood sugar is crashing. What's happening? That sugar's being put away in their liver and their muscles. And, you know, unfortunately, if they're getting too much all the time, it's going to be converted to triglycerides or fat in their liver and create this non-alcoholic fatty liver disease. But worse, it's like, you think your child has ADHD. You think your child has a mood issue. You think your child is uninterested in movement. We know that balancing blood sugar and bringing blood sugar down to a healthier level creates spontaneous movement. Your kids want to run. They want to play. They want to be outside. They don't want to be watching screens. They don't want to be lethargic. Their food choices and what you're offering them are creating this environment and this reality for you. And so let me help you look at a plate and say, all right, I'm offering four carbohydrates and one little bit of protein. How can I balance this out? Yeah, it's funny because it's really easy to jump to the conclusion. I think my child has behavioral issues, right? Or like, did you see like the kid down the street? I think like he or she has behavioral issues and that's not the case. And it's such an inaccurate conclusion to just jump to that and say that is the reason why, especially when people aren't coming at it from a bad place. They're just, they're trying to reason with what is happening. And as soon as you remove the inputs, like bad input, bad output, you remove or you evolve, right? Because you can't just remove it completely and say, hey, this is the way it is starting fresh. It's you do exactly what you're saying with letting Sebastian know why certain choices are made and the way to think about food. As that changes and those inputs change, the output changes completely. And so if parents can understand that and kids can understand that as well, that you remove these bad inputs, behaviorally kids change. Like there are just fewer temper tantrums or there's 
maybe a kinder and more respectful way of navigating the world because kids are still emotional and they're trying to figure things out and they're very smart, but they've also got developing brains. And if you give those brains poor input sources, you're not putting them in the best position to feel regulated, if that makes sense, and to be at a state of homeostasis where it's like they really feel grounded. They're still small. They're still developing. This is not meant to be overly philosophical, but there is a point where as parents, as adults, just at, like we are adults. So we have to say, even if kids are not our own, we still have to make sure that you have a bunch of Sebastian's friends over. Like that's your opportunity to make a choice. Juice boxes, Nutella and those little like breadstick dip things oh. that you dip in cheese or, hey, here's a plate of nuts and whatever you prepared for the kids, right? Nuts and like fruit and whatever it might be in limitations so that they've got these options and it's like, well, you can decide to eat or you don't have to eat. And then extrapolating that one layer further is like grapes versus blackberries. Right. Knowing that like the only caveat is where it gets really hard is without measuring kids' glucose levels. It's very difficult to say how everybody's going to metabolize things because it, you can't just say that Toshin's going to metabolize something the same as Sebastian because we know that genetically, that's just incorrect. Everyone's response is different. So it's trying to figure out these cues as a parent and you're somewhat putting together the puzzle pieces all the time. Definitely. No, I think that's a perfect example of how we can have control and support our community and our extended family and our friends and their metabolic health. The hard part as a mom is this moment of, well, everyone got cupcakes at Theo's birthday and now everyone's coming to my house for Bash's birthday. And am I the not fun mom who's doing strawberry skewers? And how can I make this a little more fun? And what I would say is the kids just want a special moment. They want to be recognized. They want to be seen. They want to be celebrated. And getting them involved in choosing a healthy choice, giving them the opportunity to have power is really important. Not having power over them, like we're doing strawberry skewers for your birthday, but how about this? Look at this picture of a watermelon cake. Look at these strawberry skewers with this coconut cream and everyone can dip their own or they can dip it in. Maybe you're using evolved chocolate chips, which don't have as much sugar, you know? Something like that where you're saying, do you want this or do you want that? And you're giving them two options. They're making the choice. They're invested in the choice. How can you expose them to helping to prepare that dessert in that celebratory moment? That's really what our kids want from us. They want to be empowered. They want to be helpers. They want to learn. They want to be exposed. And then they want to celebrate. And so we can do that in a healthful way. I think that's what I'm trying to empower parents to do on my platform and through my courses is to set those boundaries and then to know that your son's name is Theo. So I'm not saying Theo's mom would do this, but that Theo's mom just went to the store, picked up a cupcake, pulled them out of the plastic clamshell container and put them on the table. And maybe that's what she did. And that's okay too. But if you have the ability to, whether that's financially or the time that you have to invest or produce, create, make these delicious, nutritious options, do it. You're getting quality time with your kids. They're getting exposed to making food for themselves, even if it's a sweet dessert. And I think that's really what we should be focusing on. Yeah, it's funny that you say that because it was either this morning or yesterday that Penelope said, hey, mom, can I help make the lunch, like the snack for school? And 
Pam was like, yeah, of course. Right. So just involving her in the process, she's showing curiosity. She's showing interest. She wants to understand and learn. Those are the opportunities that you have to capitalize on and say like, yes, let's do this together. And then it's this, you start to build the knowledge, you start to build the relationship with what they're eating and why. And that becomes a lot easier. Where it gets hard though, so let's play the other side of it for a second. It's so easy to come at this and go, Kelly, this is great, right? I'm just a busy parent and I don't have time. It's so much easier for like, I buy the healthy options, the prepackaged mini things. They're healthy. I can see the labels. They've got seeds, they've got nuts, they've got all these things, right? So that's, let's assume somebody doesn't understand that not all prepackaged and processed things are created equal by any means, even when it appears to be healthy. But the busy parent is going, Kelly, like I don't have time. And so then sure. your feedback is change the process being, why don't you make the lunch like the night before that yeah. if you're trying to buy time in the morning, that's like change the process. So find, hack the routine. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other side is tactical options where you say, I understand you're busy, but this will take you three more minutes. So what are some tactical lunches? Let's just go that deep. Like, let's go that granular of what are some tactical lunches that parents, as they're thinking about back to school for kids, could say, okay, I need a Monday through Friday plan. What are some options where you would say, here are some things they can put in the lunchbox to give better options for the kids? Well, I'll just look at the last week of Sebastian going to school and what he had for lunch because I think people when they think about breakfast and when they think about lunch, they think about specific food groups. For breakfast, we're having cereals, pancakes, waffles, eggs. For lunch, we're having sandwiches, right? We're having sandwiches, we're having crackers and cheese into sandwiches, and we're having fruit on the side. And that kind of like, that's all lunch. And so when I look at Sebastian's lunch, you know, for example, we use the tolerant lentil pasta when we make pasta for him. And we had it with a little bit of pesto and we had some like a lemon rotisserie chicken. And I put a lot of times leftovers in his lunch. Looking at the last week, it's like, okay, I did the, uh, the pesto pasta in a little container. We use the Planet Earth stainless steel lunchbox. You put a cooler pack in it. He'll eat that pasta cold because I know he loves it. There's a little bit of protein in that in, re- in comparison to say like a whole wheat pasta. We're getting some fiber and some protein in that. He'll eat the chicken. And then I just look and say, okay, I know I want him to have something sweet in his lunch, whether that's blackberries, strawberries, blueberries. If I want to provide something that feels a little bit more fun, I do get those dehydrated strawberries, raspberries, and blueberries. They're just dehydrated. When you look at, or sorry, they're not dehydrated. They're, oh no, no, they are dehydrated because dried is when they add sugar. Yeah. So sorry, ring fart. So when I want to have a little more fun with him, I'll add the dehydrated fruit. So that's literally just the fruit. It's been dehydrated. I'd never give him the whole bag of that stuff because he can pound through the entire bag. And then we're talking like 50 to 60 grams of sugar. But dehydrated blueberries or strawberries feel fun. There's a little box in the middle of the Planet Box lunchbox, the stainless steel one that's kind of like for sweets. So I'd sometimes put some of those in there or like a couple slivers of date. Something if he wants, like, okay, this is a little sweeter. This is a little more fun. Today, we did a little container of hummus, some cucumbers, some carrots, and red pepper because I know he loves crudite. We have that a lot. I wrapped up some turkey slices with avocado. I put in some Who crackers, which is a great almond flour cracker. That is a grain-free cracker that's pretty low carb. I love 
siete tortillas, almond flour. If you can't do nuts at your school, cassava flour, which is a root, but it's a lower carb flour tortilla. And I'll do pizza pockets with that. So I'll do pasta sauce, Italian sausage, peppers, tomatoes, spinach, saute it with some pizza sauce in a pan and then kind of put it in one of those siete tortillas like a burrito or like a quesadilla. And again, anytime I'm like adding, if you have a nut-free school, sunflower butter is great, like a little sunflower butter and some apple so he can dip always helps. But really it's, I mean, I put chicken and rice in his lunch a few days ago because we had chicken and rice the night before. So he does have more carbohydrates and grains, but I'm looking at, and fruit, and I'm looking at that lunchbox and I'm never really doing more than two. So occasionally it's, He's getting crackers and he's getting a little bit of apple or he's getting a siete tortilla and he's having some blackberries. But in that lunch, I'm really packing in the protein, fat and fiber, either wrapped in that siete tortilla or something that he can dip those apples in or something that I know he will gravitate towards. And even if that comes down to me adding, I love Thrive Market. So we put Thrive Market olives. They have mini olive packs, Mediterranean and Zesty Italian and Plain. We'll use the Chomps or the Thrive Market mini little grass-fed beef sticks. We'll use, if he wants like a crunchy chip that's not a chip, we'll use their artichoke chips now that are delicious and it's just sliced artichokes. And there are also, we also use the seaweed snacks with salt. Those are great. When he's home, he'll snack on nuts all the time. Peely nuts, pistachios. I know parents are really afraid of choking, but Peeling nuts are really soft. They're long. He knows he can bite them in half. But even Tasha, now with only two teeth and those hard gums, I've given him a peeling nut. It's so soft. So softer than a cashew and softer than um, a macadamia nut. Really buttery. Highest is sort of like a keto nut. But not to say that it's boring. It's just not lunch food. Like I haven't sent him to school with a sandwich. And whenever we go to a restaurant, if he wants the burger on the menu... We take the top bun off. Like Dash has never had a burger with two sides of the bun. And I know we'll get to an age where, because Chris and I will order it lettuce wrapped and he sometimes will get it lettuce wrapped to be like us. I know he's going to get to an age where he's going to understand there are two buns on a burger. And then I'll be able to have that conversation with him. But parents know you put two buns on a burger or two pieces of bread on a sandwich, they take two bites because that bread is so filling. They're not even getting to the protein in that sandwich, I don't even care if it's a PB&J, like they're barely getting through it because that bread is filling them up and taking up all the space in their stomach. And they're going to eat the carbohydrates first and they're going to fill up on the carbohydrates the fastest. So how can you look at their lunchbox and say, count the carbs? If there are two pieces of bread, crackers and grapes, that's four carbohydrates. You just have a little peanut butter or turkey in that, in that bread. That's the only protein they're getting, right? So how are we balancing this out can you use a grain-free tortilla instead of two pieces of bread? You're probably saving them 40 grams of carbohydrates and you just went from two to one, one carbohydrate, right? Then you look at the crackers and the grapes. How can you swap those crackers for veggies? How can you swap those grapes for blackberries? Then you're naturally creating this balance in their lunchbox. Will they ever get grapes? Yeah, absolutely. But can you pick the day where they're having veggie chicken curry or a chili in a thermos and then you're putting grapes on the side because you know that the protein, fat, and veggies is all in that chili. They're going to eat that, fill up, feel calm. It's almost like grounding their body and then they can have some grapes. Yeah, it's funny because it's you still want to make sure that kids are getting what they feel is exciting food, right? Like, oh, mom, this is so 
boring. Like that's, you're giving me kale again. I don't want that. Kale chips, like very different than just massaged kale. Totally. They're, it's salty, it's tasty, covered in olive oil and you do it in the oven. Like that alone, hey, there are these chips, artichoke chips, all these things. The pepperoni sticks, it's funny, Pam bought those because she's like, hey, I saw Kelly had the like these pepperoni sticks. I'm going to do that for Theo. And he thinks it's cool. Like it's a cool thing. Now that's not, I'm buying hot rods. You're still buying. Mm-hmm. You have to understand it's processed meat. What is going into the processing? Not all are created equal. But if you go to a butcher shop and you understand like it is what is going into that or you buy ones from Thrive or wherever, it's very different. Yeah. Where it gets pretty funny is you still can do things like the sandwiches, at least we're finding when done right. So we buy those Joseph's wraps, the different flatbreads and the pitas, and that becomes the vehicle, right, for the sandwich. But that doesn't mean put lunch meat in there. Why? Because that's, again, another process of education where it's like, if you don't know that, you don't know what you don't know, but if you don't know that most lunch meats, even the ones that say naturally processed, the healthy option are just filled with potato starch and some sure, type yeah. of uh, mm-hmm. corn syrup, like actual sugar, natural flavoring, all of these things and all these fillers. It's like, it's all for naught. It doesn't matter what vehicle you use to deliver that. That is not the option. So that's where you take the leftover chicken that you had the night before and you chop it up. And there you go. That becomes the <laughs> protein source in your sandwich. And the like your child still feels like he or she is eating a sandwich, just like their friends. And it's a very different approach than two sides of a bun, right? Like it's a very different approach where they're still eating what they think is a very average lunch, just like kids want to be like their friends. I eat sandwiches. I want to feel left out. Yeah. Yeah. Just like my friends. I've got chips, just like my friends. Well, yours are kale chips. Like they don't, yeah. they don't think about it that way, but that's because you've created you've established the foundation for what they are going to eat. And that's all back to the input source. So it's it's so important to do that. And then even with things like dinners, for pizza, we use those Joseph's flatbreads and that becomes the foundation. That's your pizza. The pizza goes in the kid's lunchbox. They still, they had pizza for lunch and they feel great about what they're eating, but it is not giving them the afternoon slump because it's very different. And so it's it's creating that routine, I think, of knowing what you are doing and why that makes it a lot easier to think about lunches as opposed to scrambling. And I think right. that's probably the byproduct of why things get packed the way they do. I don't know what to do. I'm going to the store. I have little time or I ordered my groceries. I'm going to get these boxes of things. I'm going to put four different packages within the lunch box and that's it. And that's the lunch. And you're like, Lunchables. I know you said before you grew up on Lunchables and Pepperidge Farms and that was great, but that's a very different time. It is a very different time. And I think what my mom trusted when she was raising us was that convenience foods were a luxury and that these big, large companies, whether it's like General Mills or whatever, my mom trusted them to take care of us. No, she'd see the commercials. She thinks that like, this is great for us and it's whole grains and it's whole wheat. Triscuits and wheat thins and yeah, all that kind of stuff. And I feel bad that I think our parents' generation was duped by marketing and that they were never given the opportunity to learn the science of blood sugar balance or how to take care of themselves. Because what I see in that generation now, especially when I have clients who are maybe your grandparents' age somewhere in their 50s to their 70s, 
is that they're the ones who are easily sold to, right? They don't know to pull out the processed foods, the carbohydrates, the sugars. They did a lot of celebrating with food. And now they're the ones who went a commercial for Bradbury ketones or, you know, some kind of quick fix pill that's being marketed to them because their emails on the internet. And now they're getting emails from a big supplement company that this is the cure to all of their issues. Then I go to my, you know, your parents' house and they have supplements. You don't know where they got them. They were sold by a friend or they sold by the internet and they're not sticking to the foundations of how do we eat to balance blood sugar balance? How do we eat to promote health? How do we eat to ensure that we have the nutrients that our bodies need to thrive? And that is just foundational science that is missing from our education in school and elementary school. It's missing from high school. It's missing from college. If I could go back and change the curriculum of kids in high school, I would absolutely pull things like calculus and put in things like health, like home ec, like finance. Like, do you know how to balance your checkbook? Do you know what compounding interest looks like? Do you know what savings looks like if you start early versus, hey, all these kids who are using credit cards and paying with installments for things that they don't need. I mean, there's just, there's a lot that needs to be changed, but health is a major part of it. That home ec and cooking, I sit down with 30 and 40 year olds who have kids who are under 10 and they know how to make scrambled eggs and ground turkey for tacos. and they never had the time. They were in a big career. Their parents didn't teach them. They used fast casual food. So they are so overwhelmed by the process of packing a lunch. And if that is someone who's tuning in and listening and they are starting from ground zero, I would say you got to learn the basics. It's how do you make eggs? How do you make a protein? How do you cook a rotisserie chicken? How do you roast some veggies? What does it mean to blanch veggies? It doesn't have to be fancy. You don't have to follow a recipe. You just have to have those basics. Put those together and know that that is really healthy for your kids. Yeah. And being very cognizant of not being duped by marketing because marketing is so strong and it's really easy to fall into the trap of assuming something is healthy. And I think actually, like this is probably me being naive and overly trusting, is that a lot of these companies that are going into making these products that they truly are trying to make something that they think is healthy, but they don't understand the implications of the ingredients that they're using. Like they think, let's just use Mary's. Mary's is like making the assumption that they're putting their best foot forward as a company and making these very healthy crackers. Because I think as a society, there's such a long road ahead for people to understand on average the implications of X, Y, and Z as it relates to metabolic health, right? Knowing that analytes are molecules, like it's not just about glucose. It's not just about insulin. It's not just about ketones. Like we can keep going on and on and on. There are so many things that pertain to having good metabolic health that I don't think anybody is starting one of these, we'll call them hipster companies because they usually have pretty good marketing, but a company that really has this holistic approach to saying we're doing what's right for the planet and for people and for creating products with sustainable packaging. And it's just like the intent is right. The execution's just like a little wrong because 
we have more work to do as a society. And I think that's where it's going to be hard. But just knowing that as a parent, as you're making choices, as an adult for yourself, learning to make things like scrambled eggs, learning to saute ground beef, whatever it is, ground turkey, whatever protein source you choose, and not just adding the taco seasoning to it because that's what you thought was the right thing to do. Saying, cool, little salt, little pepper, little olive oil, you're set. Very, very different than just dumping in the prepackaged seasoning because then everything you've done is basically lost. Right. Now I have to plug my seasoning. Yeah. I have Be Spicy at Williams-Sonoma was a seasoning I created. I created a line of functional seasonings at Williams-Sonoma. There's a Be Savory that's Italian, a Be Spicy that's sort of like your Mexican or a rub for meat, and then a Be Sweet, which is a turmeric cinnamon very like warming fall type of spice, but can be used in coffees, teas, baked goods. But the beef spicy was is my taco seasoning, which includes absolutely no sugar, but we added a little bit of dehydrated beet for those polyphenols and to block advanced glycation end products. So a lot of times when we char meat or we use sugar with meat, we create oxidative stress in our body and we create this glycation process of kind of think about like rusting in our body. And so I wanted to make something that was easy for parents because that's the key, right? Is how, and Siete has a taco seasoning that's without sugar too. How can we, and maltodextrin and all the weird fillers, people need our help. So these hipster companies, it's unfortunately when you're making a cracker or you're making a cereal or you're making what we might say like more of like fun food, right? The party style food. It's not just healthier because it's grain-free. It's not just healthier. That's, I think, the crux because it's not just healthier because they're using coconut sugar. It's not just healthier because they're not using canola oil and they're using sunflower oil. We have to just realize that this is a highly processed food even if it is grain-free and we need to have boundaries around those foods. And the unfortunate part is boring sugar-free seasonings, boring whole foods aren't as sexy as a cool grain-free cereal that has like a fun character on the front of the box. It just isn't. So this is where us as parents need to be parents and not their friends and bring the boring. Yeah, that's exactly it. We're, <laughs> we are parents. We're pseudo friends. We'll call it that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, well, I'm getting to be friends with Sabat. I mean, he's obviously my best little friend. And so is Toshin. But at certain points, until he has the ability to make these decisions for himself. And there's going to be a time when my boys go off to and are in high school and they're in college and they're at parties and they're making choices without me. And they're going to make those choices. I just always hope that they always come back to their foundation, which is they know how to make foods for themselves. They know how to make whole foods for themselves. When I think about what my job is as a parent, my job is to help them to feel seen and supported and comforted and listen to and to teach them the things that they need to be their own person out in the world. And that means teaching them how to do their own laundry, teaching them how to make scrambled eggs, how to saute and roast veggies, how to get in the kitchen and take care of themselves. Like if they know how to pay their bills, if they know how to do their laundry and they know how to make food for themselves, and we set this foundation, if they go off to college and eat the fast food and the laundry piles up in their room, <laughs> They're out at parties late night and not protecting their sleep. 
they'll eventually come back to, oh, that feels really good in my body to eat healthy and to sleep well. And I like to have clean clothes. Like they'll learn those lessons on their own in college when they're adults. But to have laid the foundation for them, what feels good, what feels relaxing, what it feels like to feel comforted and listened to and to take care of yourself. Like that's Sunday self-care for me right there. Learn how to do your own laundry and make some food for yourself and you will win in life. That's your role. It's education, exposure, and guidance. That's, you're setting the foundation. Well, I I think it's probably a good place to wrap, but where can people find you? There's so many things that you are involved in, content creator, thought leader, an author. We can, podcaster, we can keep going down the rabbit hole, but where can people find you? Yeah, so if you look up Be Well by Kelly, you can find me on Instagram and Facebook. My website is bewellbykelly or kellylevesque.com. And my books are Body Love, Body Love Every Day. And I wrote some nutrition courses for pregnancy to balance your blood sugar. The foundations of blood sugar called Fat Four Fundamentals. Fat Four Under Four teaches you how to balance your kids' plate so that they learn, grow, and thrive at their genetic potential. Yeah, I'm just really passionate about blood sugar and I have been for about a decade. So every single one of these resources is going to teach you blood sugar balance. That's why I'm so obsessed with levels. That's why I became an investor. That's why... For having this podcast. We've had Casey Means on our podcast. You've connected me to some amazing people like Dr. Allison Hull. We just had her on the podcast. She's doing research for levels, really cool stuff. So learn how to balance your blood sugar, how to eat, to support that balance. And I'm, I tell you, your life will be changed for the good. It's priceless education. You guys are renovating right now? Yeah. So we bought our house and we're renovating. My mom's best friend from high school, her husband is a contractor and he retires. He's like 60 something. He retires at the end of the year. And so he's like, Kelly, whatever you want to do, you got to rock and roll because I'm like, I'm done hanging up my hammer at the end of the year. So I was like, okay, let's do it. I'm never going to have this type of like red carpet contractor trust. 